Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey folks, Zach Austin here, you Insider, Indianapolis Star, coming to you from the, the Bloomington Herald Times Studios. <laughs> Studio is a heck of a word for it. It's yeah. the conference well, room. Well, to be fair, it's usually just a Zoom room. Um, but we are uh, together here, Dustin. This is Indeed. the Sunday podcast. It's on Monday. Dustin had the national show to go to Sunday night. And it was fantastic, by the it's, way. It's it was, good to hear. It was tremendous. I know it screwed up your your schedule entirely and our schedule really, entirely, but really it was care. a really good show. I was chasing my son down the street last night. Okay. Um, we are recapping Western Kentucky and uh, Indiana wins thirty three to thirty in overtime. And I think that the thing Indiana fans seem to be having some trouble, like the, the, <laughs> okay. like just sort of understanding like what they should think, how much they should care, mm-hmm. you know. Should they believe? Um, and I think that they are. I think they are finding only further conflict when they look at national media. The S and P Plus numbers still don't particularly care for Indiana. Right. On the other hand, you're seeing Indiana pop up in the occasional bowl projection, even though they're they're, they're basically have won three of probably their four or five easiest games to get to three and zero. Um, and I thought you really kind of hit it well on saturday basically like it's fine to celebrate being three and oh as long as everybody understands not that it's fluky in the sense that indiana didn't win any of these games with some tip pass hail mary or anything right but the flukiest thing that happened was a, a kicker missed about a four what a 44 45 yard field goal against, yeah you know, which West isn't Kentucky. crazy but no it's, like it's it's you, you, mm. he probably makes that a lot but that ha- that happens in college right um they've deserved to be where they are but they're also almost certainly not going to keep winning if they keep playing like this. Right, exactly. They deserve to beat the teams that they beat. I mean, they, in they the get, moments that they beat them. Yes, they get credit for finding themselves in positions where things could have gone horribly wrong um, and surviving those situations. They, they absolutely get credit for that, no doubt about it. Um, but on the flip side, they did put themselves in some rough spots. Some of that is... You know, Western Kentucky doing some good things. Obviously, that's a, a very well-coached offense at the very least. Um, but, you know, you know, one, you give up 540 yards, and there were some just, just blatant misfits and missed assignments and, and some situations where they were just gutted by the run game. Um, but, I mean, just the small stuff down the end. I mean, obviously, it was a big deal that they get the game-tying touchdown and the two-point conversion. But immediately after, kick the ball out of the bounds. You got a pass interference in there, even though it really probably shouldn't have been because it was uncatchable. But still, you managed to let them get enough yards uh in 47 seconds to put themselves in a chance to win it, to win it with a field goal are fortunate enough that they miss then block a field goal on the other end and you know lose eight yards uh basically on in, in on a position where all you had to do was score any points and you put charles campbell in a position where he has to hit from 51 to win the game um and so those are enough mistakes just building up right there at the end um, that frequently lose you a football game, and, and, and for Indiana, almost always lose you a football game because when you, if Indiana makes those mistakes, they tend to pay for it. Um, so there's, uh, there is a sense in which they have just, I mean, you know, escaped, gotten away with something. Um, I and, mean, I, I, but, I think uh, but again, on the flip side, 
there were plays with it that they made they absolutely had to make and and it's it speaks well for them that they have grit perseverance that they can get by they, they can get past mistakes bad decisions and make the next play i mean i think the the more fundamental thing i don't think it's individual mistakes so much as it's it's the moments like being down 10 nothing at halftime against idaho like the fact that western kentucky was what like 15 yards from mm-hmm. going what was that they they were on the 9 the indiana 9 up 24 to 13 i mean they were they were 9 yards away from opening an 18 point lead on indiana at home and listen you know this is one of these conversations we always have this time of year western kentucky is better than more Big Ten teams than the Big Ten is probably comfortable with, at least in terms of maybe yes. not skill, more the idea of, like, this is how we win football games. Right. Because, because programs like Indiana, historically anyway, like Indiana, like Illinois, like Northwestern, like Maryland, I mean, even like Purdue, and I'm not picking on Purdue, I just feel compelled to be like, I'm not, I'm not a homer. Um, <laughs> That's all he's trying to say. <laughs> yes. Um, programs like that are always kind of stumbling around searching for, like, all these sort of winning habits. You know, this idea of like, this is this is how we win football games. This is what it takes to, you know, get better every day and use the offseason and all this to win. Programs like Western Kentucky have that. Right. And unlike basically the teams that do it in the MAC and then like, you know, the whole coaching staff leaves and they crater and then the whole cycle starts over. Like Western Kentucky is one of those that does it all the time. Right. Basically, no matter who the coach is. It's been multiple conferences where they've been like that too. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it's just like it. it that's why I say Western Kentucky at least is more dangerous than more Big Ten teams than I think a lot of than the Big Ten maybe would be comfortable with because they right. have that learned behavior. That being said, you're down 18 at home to a Conference USA opponent. Mm-hmm. That, Very close I mean, to like, that. You, yeah. you, like I said, you're literally nine yards away from that. And again, it's not a fluke. Indiana, you know, Indiana breaks pressure. Miles they get Jackson in Austin Reed's face. Yeah. yeah, they make him make a mistake and they capitalize on it. That's, that's how you win football games. But it's, it's not just mistakes it's it's a lot of moments that encapsulate the wider idea that like this team has not played a lot of great football yes they're three and oh and they deserve credit for that but like i think back to my freshman year of college which was terry hepner's first season in 2005 where they started three and oh and i think four and one and then they went four and seven right and and as they got into the meat of the big 10 schedule you know they they'd beaten kentucky at home and that was a decent kentucky team that was a kentucky team that within a couple mm-hmm. years was with uh, right. what was it was it andre woodson what was the andre woodson yeah yeah mm-hmm. and and rich brooks started winning some games and they had a, a, a nail biter against Nichols state and then i don't remember who else they beat in the non conference was central michigan i think it was it was brian kelly's central michigan is who it was um and then they beat i think illinois at home and it was like indiana's 4 and 1 new coaching staff then going to a bowl game there was even a Blake Powers for Heisman Facebook group, and and it and and it's it's not like they had like a bunch of close losses later in that season. Right by the end of that year, they were losing big to, yeah. to Minnesota, to uh, to Purdue, et cetera. And so you sort of wonder like, which one of these teams is it? Is it the team that is really imperfect because it was still picking up the pieces of last season? It brought in all of these new coaches, all of these new players. It has a new offense. It has a remade defense, and there's bound to be some growing pains. But guess what? Through those growing pains, they got to three and zero, and they're getting better. You know, Connor Bazelak standing at the podium on Saturday saying, "I promise you're going to see better football from us." That's not normally the thing you hear the starting quarterback say after he goes to three and zero. Right. 
So they at least recognize it, but is it is it that team or is it the team that has just basically ridden its luck a little bit? I know I said it wasn't all luck, but like the the, the sequence of events that's led to this point, hitting all of them is probably right. a little lucky, a little fortunate, and that's going to run out when they start when the schedule stiffens up. Yeah, when it, when I mean obviously this is a a good program for its level, but at some point they're going to get a good program for the Big Ten. Uh, you know that's coming soon, and. and yeah, I mean, we, we don't know yet, obviously, but you can see signs of a little bit of both. I mean, I, I obviously, I don't think that even if this team continues to progress the way that, I don't say even the way that it thinks it should, If even if you're an Indiana optimist and say, okay, the tra- this, this is the best trajectory I can come up with in my head, that still, I don't think, gets you must pa- much past six and six, seven and five. You know, I mean, like there, there's just just so many flaws in this group that you just cannot imagine beating them. Them beating someone they're really not supposed to beat. You know, it's just it's it's very hard to imagine with um, just the flaws on both sides right now that they can beat someone that they're they're really not supposed to beat. Um, but they could maybe beat somebody they're kind of not supposed to beat. You know, and that I put sort of in that realm. I put Cincinnati, Purdue, and Michigan State at the moment. I, I, they're kind of not supposed to be. They're not really not supposed to be. Um, so, you know, there's a chance. Who knows? But there's also a chance that you see them come out Saturday and you see, oh, okay, all right, I get it now. And it goes horribly south really fast. That could definitely happen. You, you could definitely see them just, just – I can imagine a scenario where they got on the field with, you know, top 25 caliber squads that are either there or close to it. Um, and it, it gets downhill very quickly. That could certainly happen. And, and you know, I, I can't promise either way from what we've seen so far. Yeah, and, I mean, listen, it, again, this is not unique to IU. There are teams like this every year. And guess what? Some of, yeah. them, make, some of them make bowl games. Some of them they have do. successful seasons just basically on the fact that they arrive to the right time in the right place. They play Cincinnati in the right week for whatever reason. Or they play, right. you know, they, 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 they get Western Kentucky the one week the kicker's got the stomach flu or whatever. Mm. Um, and, and people want to sort of, you know, pick at you for that. It's like, But Indiana traditionally has not gotten those kind of breaks, basically. And so maybe there is, is, is the thing. Again, like, there is in, perhaps in the a bit of an of argument the, that yeah. this, this team is making that luck a little bit more. Right. And that's probably a fair assumption when we remember what we said a lot in the offseason, which is that this group had been really competitive, consistently mm. competitive at a Big Ten level, not just you know going 3-0 and against bad teams in the non-conference and sneaking right. one or two, but genuinely competitive in the Big Ten across four or five years before just kind of running into a wall last season. Yeah. And so and it's the, not... You know, the wheels coming off is really yeah, what happened. It's, is that by, by the season's end, they were barely... It's not like... Yes inconceivable that this group remembered how to do some of this right and remembered how to win some of these games and like you know i I know you weren't around but think if i think back to to 2019 like that maryland win was was 50 50 Mm. the nebraska win was 50 50 the purdue game went to double overtime yeah and they got all of those Mm. but again then they did the same thing or even better in 2020 then 2021 collapsed on them but now in 2022 they're kind of doing that again Right, they're getting the close game against Illinois. They're getting like Idaho's its own thing. Listen, we talked about it before. I don't want to do it to death. They were never going to lose to Idaho. They played horribly. They admitted they played horribly, and they still won comfortably because they were right. never going to lose to Idaho. That happens sometimes. But like, you know, they they they, they, they there are a, a a 
in terms of the intangibles, I think you could find a lot more similarities than people may realize between like Illinois in 2022 and Maryland in 2020 or 2019. Right. Or Western Kentucky in 2022. And frankly, to some extent, like Penn State in 2020, mm-hmm. especially given what Penn State kind of becomes that season. Um, but you can't live on the margins forever. Right. And I think that's where, you know, like I've been a little surprised at, I mean, Vegas is, you know, Bill Connolly's got the spread at, I think Cincinnati's a 22 point favorite. Um, now Bill freely admits that the first three, four weeks S and P still leans pretty heavily on its preseason. Mm-hmm. projections right so you you kind of it's not to like october when you wash those out of the system right that things start to be a little bit more reflective but vegas i think had this this game open at something like 16 and it's already up yeah. i'm a little surprised at that just because a lot's changed at cincinnati they looked rough for a while against miami of ohio they deserve a lot of listen cincinnati deserves a lot of banks you know credit and for, for what they've been the last three four years um but it does feel like not that if Indiana goes to Cincinnati and loses this weekend, the season's over, but more that like this is kind of a test of is this just right place, right time, good fortune? Mm-hmm. Or does Indiana have just a little something about it where imperfect as it is, it's going right. to fight, it's going to find a way to make plays, it's, it's going to be in that mix right? against not just the Western Kentuckys or the Illinois, but the teams that you'd look at from this point forward and say, you've got to find a way of beating three of five of Cincinnati, Nebraska, Maryland, Rutgers, Purdue. Right. To give yourself, you know, to get to a bowl game and also, as I think we discussed in the preseason, to give yourself the freedom to look at those other four in the East as, right. as total free hits. Right. Yeah. No, exactly. It's, it's, it's can they get themselves to that point? Can they be a, a team – it, it like is is their opportunism is is the fact that they find themselves find ways of putting themselves in a position where they can win a game at the end and then do it is that part of their DNA or is that again just part of them putting themselves in that position because they're playing worse teams than them and you know they're they're drifting and just just pulling it back up at the last second to avoid disaster you know again we'll see I mean there are there are arguments for both sides of that coin at the moment um, for sure so. This this will give us the beginnings of a sense of where we really you know where Indiana really is on that, um, and you know where they're really going. And so and 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 you don't have a great sense of what Cincinnati is at this point because obviously there's it's a very different team. That took, they've they've that only played two games, year. if I'm not mistaken. They played three. They played it was Miami, Ohio, um, was it Kennesaw? They they have played three. Yeah, Kennesaw. Okay. They lost Arkansas. They whooped Kennesaw State. Uh, sixty-three to ten, and then they beat Miami, Ohio, thirty-eight to seventeen this weekend. Pam Witten revenge game. Um, mm-hmm. I use president. Oh, was hired. Oh, from yeah. Kansas State. Didn't know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah, see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like go. that. Um, reasons why it might work, and I guess we can do a bit of both. Coming out of Western Kentucky, Connor Bayslack had undeniably his best day. 364, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Took three sacks, but was also uh, actually quietly a, a, a bit of a factor on the ground. He finished with mm. net minus three rushing yards, but that was because of the sack yardage. Right. Um, he, I'm trying. He gained 17 yards on five carries mm. and had a couple nice scrambles. Um, 12 different receivers catch a pass. Cam Camper has another good day. DJ Matthews has a decent day, despite apparently being very sick. 
Yeah. Um, Didn't know anything about that, but Will Bell pointed out today. Donovan McCulley had a couple really big catches, not least the two-point conversion, which isn't in the box score but because it doesn't Mm -hmm. count that way. Um, It's still really important. I just thought generally IU offensively, first of all, again, not perfect, but I felt like if you compared it to where they were against Illinois, a lot more comfort play caller to quarterback, play caller yep. to skill players, play caller to, to offensive line, to whole unit, to, to time and score, to down and distance. Mm-hmm. Everybody had a better idea of like what's going to work, what's not, where to go when we yeah. need to play. Uh, one of the more surprising undercurrent stats that I noticed after this game, Indiana wins this game, and Indiana puts up in total 484 yards of offense. Do you know what Indiana averaged on third and down? Third down, third down and? Did you say it was third and eight? Third and eight point eight, they averaged almost nine yards per third down attempt. Yeah, and they still Ooh. put up four eighty four, thirty three points and a win. That's a lot. It, it is. It yeah. is again. Now you got yourself to third and eight point eight. Right, but that is reflective to me of a team that is is a lot more even, respective of the competition, mm. and typically, you know, the the, the group of five if you want to call them powerhouses, usually the weaknesses are on defense because they put a lot of their best athletes on offense to just try and score points. Um, But that is, to me, reflective of an offense that is just a lot more comfortable with all of the attendant sort of, you know, chain of command of call the play, check the play, slide the protection, snap the ball, you know, know, freelance, whatever, um, than we saw in the first two weeks. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. There's there's just a lot more cohesion in this offense. You could definitely tell, I think, in week one that, you know, and obviously Baselight just said, okay, what works? Cam Camper and DJ Matthews work. That That's that's what I that's what I got to go to. That's what I got to live with. I don't know what's, you know, like Illinois is taking away the running game entirely. I know that's gone. I'm still figuring out the rest of these receivers. Maybe Emory Simmons every once in a while, but mostly I know Cam, you know, Camper and DJ are going to make plays. Uh, and, and this time it was just sort of finding everything else that's there. I mean, he's just sort of like truly getting a sense of not just, you know, he's obviously well past knowing what the playbook does, but it's sort of seeing that, you know, what what that looks like on the field against somebody else's defense and what kind of things open up and what's available. And, you know, just realizing that there are other guys that you can trust and realize there are other guys that you can be able to have open, being able to find those. Um, that certainly went a long way. I mean, and just the, you know, like uh, – the running game, I think, just it, it it's not great, but it, it has its moments. I think you know Bell is able to dial up some play play calls to get something done. Um, you know, with the run game, they go for one twenty on 35, 3.4 yards, four yards a carry isn't great, but it's not terrible. You know, it's a, it's a general step in the right direction, and you've only got you know, you know twenty yards lost on that is is you know Bayslack sack, so you really that's about a hundred and actually about one hundred and fifty gain. Um, you know, I think Henderson and, and Shivers lost, I think, a combined 10 yards. But, you know, still, they're, they're, they're getting something out of the running game. I think they're, they're generally doing a good job of, of knowing when to call what uh, to, get some, to get some running yards. And, yeah, no, there's, there's definitely just more cohesion with this offense. It's still not perfect. I mean, base likes 33 or 55. He does miss fire uh, as, as much as he's And there were some drops, good too. Ball. Yeah, there to was. your point really quickly about the run game, um, Indiana in – the Illinois game, 20 first downs, two of them on the ground. In this game, 28 first downs, nine of them on the ground. Mm-hmm. So at very least, a substantially more effective, throwing out Idaho because Idaho is obviously sort of a different animal, a substantially more effective run game when you needed it. Right. When you felt like you were going to dial it up for a play you needed to have. 
Right. Exactly. They're they're able to pick up, you know, they're able to pick up first downs, um, basically running the football, and that's a big deal. And just you know, getting a couple big ones, I think, is a big deal. Um, and you know, uh, some kind of chunk yard runs by each guy. You know, Henderson had a 19 yarder, and Shivers had a 32 yarder. I mean, like, they they are both they are getting both of those guys you know, going downhill um, and just getting them something. I mean, like, it's not going to be a dominant running game. It's just not. You know, I, I don't think they're ever going to be able to just own somebody on the line and the, the backs are okay. But, you know, they're, they're, it's, they're not going to be Ohio State as far as running the football is concerned, but they've got to get something out of it. It looks like they can get something out of it. I thought there was a little bit more good usage of the backs in the pass game, too. I I, I really did not believe that was a, a, a good offensive pass interference calling Donovan McCulley on mm. what was a, a great little play call for John uh, Josh Henderson to get into the end zone during IU's comeback. That was, I think that drive still ended in maybe a Shivers touchdown. I'm not sure, right? But um, one way or another, it 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 just feels like the backs are a little bit more kind of involved, and I think you you do feel like at very least this this receiver core is kind of what Indiana wants right now, which is a couple of big dogs at the top, as you said. Um, but then a lot of guys that, that can be interchangeable and you can mm. move this offense really fast and you can play super fast right? because you can, you know, the, there's not a, a, a big difference in performance between an Emory Simmons and a Javon Swinton or a, a you know, a, a Donovan McCulley and a Cam Camper, right. et cetera. Again, maybe a couple of those guys are the clear, you know, number ones, yeah. but you can get plays from, you know, five, I mean, Aaron Steinfeld had a great catch, mm-hmm. and that, yeah. that that weird, like it was it was third down or it was a first down, then it wasn't, but it was a great catch. I think Bazelak was facing pressure, and he just kind of threw it up there, and Steinfeld went and got it. Yeah, um, it seems like the passing game is what they want it to be, right? In terms of personnel, and whether that works long term, you don't know, but it's certainly better than where it was a year ago. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, and, and again, even just better than it was two weeks ago. I mean, you, you did get the sense because because they talked a lot about having depth and ha- being able to rotate eight or nine guys. And after week one, it's like, are you sure you're just not going to throw the ball to Camper and, and Matthews here? Um, but, you know, th- this one, I think, is sort of evidence of what they wanted to be uh, in, in that regard and saying, OK, you know, we, we do believe we have, um, you know, depth of playmakers uh, that, that you're going to be able to throw the ball to. Um, so, you know, I mean, even things like just getting Jalen Lucas involved, you know, putting him in, in, you know, at slot and then even on, you know, on the outside and being able to sort of, mix, you know, mix up uh, formations and, and moving some athletes there, I thought was a big deal. But, yeah, no, I, I think um, it, it I think just matters that they have at least two good um, two good shifts of wide receivers can they put two full crews of three men out there and be able to trust them uh and that's kind of where they are it's camper matthews uh matthew you know camper at one outside matthews at a slot and you know maybe you know i think it's, it's been kobe so far but you could piece somebody else as that third starter uh but then you know second string you can go emory simmons at that uh, at that slot spot and you know whether it could be swinton and mccauley it could be swinton and kobe um you know being able to just, just being able to roll six deep is really important i think um and, and they can go further in that and maybe, you know, work guys like Omar Cooper into this uh, mix and whatnot. But the important thing, I think, is just to be able to at least go six deep um, because that allows you to to shift and that allows you to go tempo. And if you wear some guys out, then you can give them a rest and, and go with the other three. Reasons uh, maybe not to be optimistic, particularly ahead of, a, I think, what is certainly going to culture-wise be one of the best defensive teams you play this season. Um, I mean – 
I won't profess to know everything Cincinnati's got on defense. Obviously, they lost some 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 dudes to the draft, some serious dudes. Um, but like, if you're talking about sort of culture and how they're coached and all those things, like you trust Luke Fickle basically as much as you trust, I think, any coach on Indiana's schedule. And I yeah, would and do. I would include Jim Harbaugh and Ryan Day in that. Yes, in terms 100%. of just the you know what, what, what's the what what did Chad Wilt tell us today like tough and nasty or something like that like the, right. you know they they that. Luke Fickle gets that into his guys, and not in a dirty way. I don't think they play dirty. I think Tom Allen kind of said that last year. Like he was trying to say, like I don't want you to think I'm saying they're playing dirty. They just they play mean. Like they right. they play hard. They hit you. Mm. Um, it's all legal, but they make sure you feel it. Um, you know, I thought the offensive line actually was a lot better. Sat like the, the, this is the other thing that kind of happens um, is you, you get one or two sort of whipping boys early in a season. Right, and they stay the whipping boys unless yeah. there is just some demonstrable, like huge step forward. I didn't think this offensive line was amazing. Mm-hmm. That was a lot better than than Illinois. Yeah, um, and and despite the fact that Connor Bays like takes three sacks in this game and only one in the Illinois game, and he really probably shouldn't have taken that sack in the Illinois game. He was he was under less duress. Uh, I just uh, yeah, the, the the run yeah. game worked better. Things were sequenced better. You know, Indiana was clearly able to get the ball in the perimeter and some of these these screen actions that involve the offensive line more consistently. Yes. That said, it's still got a lot of work to do. Yeah, you're still probably not giving getting as much out of the tight end position. Certainly, I would say, frankly, in the the blocking aspects, possibly probably the the, the receiving aspects as well as you want. Bazelak does still, as you say, kind of go through these these funks where he mm. just he just sort of gets erratic for a little bit. Um, you know, as good as Cam Camper and DJ Matthews have been, I don't know that I would ever say either one of them can just take over a game, right? In the way that you know we've seen some, you know, Cody Latimer could do that for Indiana, right? Um, there was there there was a response to Cam Camper even in week two against Idaho, and, yeah. and I thought um, it, I think somebody was somebody pointed out to me on Twitter, and I hadn't actually noticed it, but basically it's like they keep running the same slant to Camper, and they know it's coming. Um, and it, it did seem like that after that you saw a lot more sort of comeback routes on the, where he sort of stayed on the perimeter. Um, and he also had sort one, of one drop bit. on what might have been Bazelak's best throw. Yes, it was. It was that, back that shoulder. back shoulder. But was. That, is another, catch. that is another thing about this offense yeah. is there are – and again, this is one of those things where maybe in November we say they cleaned it up, they yeah. got a lot better, and mm-hmm. they're six and three going into right. week ten. That's possible. I've seen that happen to Tom Allen coached Indiana teams before. Sure, um, but they don't have to leave some yards on the field. Yeah, for a team that you feel like just can't afford to miss the obvious ones, the, the Cam Camper throw, which I think that drive may have ended in a field goal. And that would have t- – no, I think it was a punt. And that yeah. would have taken them inside like the 20. Mm-hmm. You had the Sean Shivers fumble that is just one of those like mental lapses that an experienced player will, will by his own admission, just say, I can't make. We've seen – Yeah, that, we've seen, that, that might not have been a lateral, but even if it's a forward just, pass, yeah, you, need to cover you have it. to cover it um, just in case they make a, make a bad decision. There are some guys that have had some drops. Anderson kobe has been a noticeable one. To be fair to him, he makes up for it with the touchdown catch. He did. That was mm-hmm. another one of the quietly, I thought, really well-designed plays. I thought so, too. Um, yeah, on Saturday, that, that kind of gets back to the idea of maybe they're getting more comfortable in like what works for them, right. like what works for who and how to get it mixed into the flow of the offense. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it just it feels like this offense still just in a lot of different ways offensive line play quarterback play pass catching can just go erratic 
at times yeah. when it's sort of like in you know at times when because this happened a little bit Saturday too before Indiana did kind of dig in as they said bow up and push back at times when you sort of look at them and say this team really needs you to score some points here like they yeah. need you to hold onto the ball for a little while and they need you to, to to author some kind of response and sometimes this offense does still go a little anonymous it does yeah no it, it, it can go stretches where it goes quiet I mean you go you know you look at um, you look at the, the drive sequence um, you know like first half is you know field goal turnover on downs punt touchdown fumble punt downs uh, so you get you know two scoring drives in the first half um you know but but one that you kind of waste you know that that first possession um you know you obviously have the fumble in there basically on the lateral um and so it, you know obviously you know you go two for what two for seven as far as you know basically scoring drives in the first half uh second half you're scoring on more of those but you got you know you know, basically three field goals um, in drives that get to get you down to um, two of which get you basically within the 20. So, yeah, you know, ultimately they can go quiet for a while. They can be in situations where they need a response to get one. Sometimes they get the response after that, um, which, which I think is something that happens where, where they go out and it's like, well, you need to score here. And I, and I do think one thing they do well is they, they can sometimes go into drives where it's like, you need to score here, and they fail. But instead of letting that turn into a next a failure on the next drive and the next drive and the next drive, they do get back up. Um, and so they, they don't necessarily let themselves believe that, you know, this one drive in the third quarter, you either make it or you don't, and you're done after that. You know, they, they, they do generally refuse to believe that. Basically, they just sort of more believe that there are far, if there are minutes on the clock, there is an opportunity. Um, but they do sometimes let uh, important – Possessions go away, and, and they've been fortunate enough to live uh, in spite of that so far. But that won't always be the case. Um, defensively, I think it's just kind of a question of where exactly this defense's level is. And what I mean by that is, on the one hand, they're tied for third in the league in turnovers forced mm. through three yeah. games, despite, I think, not forcing one at all against Idaho. Yeah. So they've gotten to win it basically when it matters. Again, no yeah. matter how frustrated you were at halftime of the Idaho game, I promise you Indiana wasn't losing. Um, like it, they were obviously losing in that moment. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, you know, they, they get tackles for loss. Aaron Casey looks an awful lot like Micah McFadden. Like, we all wondered, like, how will mm-hmm. Indiana replace Micah McFadden? Aaron Casey has just sort Playing of really good shown football. up and been like, hey, this is what Me. we do. Yeah. Um, you know, you've had good moments from Taiwan Mullen, from Josh Sanguinetti. Disan McCullough has, has obviously been, a, a, I want to say, a quiet revelation because I a think people could guy, see. Yeah, yeah he's, mm-hmm. he has. He's added a dynamic this defense did not, re, you know, previously have. Cam Jones flies all over the place. He's 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 been tremendous. Yeah, I mean, he's been basically about as good as McFadden ever was as mm. kind of the lead backer in this defense. And you can see why Tom Allen was so fond of saying early in his time at Indiana that he's never had a good defense without good linebackers. Right. And how that how much that possession or not possession position sets the tone. Having said all that. There are still some moments where it feels like this defense can just be absolutely discombobulated. Yeah, dominated a little bit too much up front, put on its mm-hmm. heels a little bit too much at the back. And again, Western Kentucky is the classic sort of team where I go back to the whole idea of like they have a DNA of doesn't matter who the coach is, doesn't matter who the coordinator is, doesn't matter who the, who the quarterback is. We throw the ball all over the place. We score points on you. It's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. And and there is more value to having that quote unquote culture and that learned behavior than fans will ever realize but you still shouldn't there are times where you feel like they shouldn't be getting pushed around as much as they do right if, if you want to think back to things like that idaho performance it was 
really sloppy on the defensive side of the ball. Bad, bad tackling angles, bad pursuit, mm-hmm. bad decisions. Again, not one turnover despite forcing, what, four the previous week against Illinois, yeah. mm-hmm. plus the turnover on downs. My point is it seems like this this team has the the, the – the tools, the the pieces, whatever what you, you know, the skills, whatever you want to say, to be as good on defense as you know, I won't say any, but almost any defense Tom Allen has had. Mm. That the 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 players are there, the skills are there, the experience is there, but it does still feel like they have not put it all together. No, in in, in the way that like is is most familiar to some of. Tom Allen's best defenses. And again, that matters when you consider what Indiana is going to be coming up against from here on out. Right. No, absolutely. There are just moments where you're like, what, what exactly are you guys doing there? I mean, and, and the, the run plays obviously are, ki- are a killer. The, the ones that have just, there are, are just a few where they just, too many guys seem to get sucked up where it's just like, you, you seem like there's everybody's up on the line and where there's just nobody behind there and somebody's got to make a play. Maybe they're lucky enough to, to, to keep it from turning into a massive play. But, you know, uh, when guys get in the wrong holes, make misfits, whatever, go in the wrong direction. Um, you know, that, that Robichaud run for 59 yards, you're just like, wow, there's nobody there. You know, I mean, Sam McCall makes an amazing play really to try. And that's down. not something that, that, that Western Kentucky should be doing. No. Like, they, like first of all, Robichaud's like, like he was not running fast. No, not not and, and that's so, not a play that like Western Kentucky hurts you with the the thousand paper cuts. cuts. Yeah, it, exactly. it doesn't hit you with explosive. This wide receiver screen and that wide receiver screen, and you know, and then somebody the tucks in, and, and then somebody push. catches you in zone when you're supposed to be a man, and then all yeah. of a sudden you're giving up sixty yards in four plays. It's not this, right? Exactly. They're not supposed to gut you on the ground like that. And obviously, you had some big plays late against Idaho as well. Um, you know, Chase Brown, Chase Brown, right? I keep saying chance. Chase. Yeah. Chase. It is Chase. Okay. It's fine. For some I'm, reason I keep If it's it. not, just blame it on me. Right. Anyway, um, you know, they, they had a hard time stopping him, obviously. And so, yeah, the, they, they need to get better against the running game on some level. Chase. Um, they, they don't, like, I haven't seen the secondary flash yet. I've seen a few moments, but, like, as a group, where, where it's like, you are, I think, consistent to say, well, Aaron Casey made a really good play. Cam Jones made a really good play. Desan McCullough just did something freaky. Like, that's that that's a lot of the positive things you see that group has not found a, a a difference maker to the degree that i think jamar johnson was yeah at safety exactly. for them in 2019 and 2020 and mm. i mean i think tywin mullen has had some really nice moments Jalen williams obviously gets a turnover sure um but johnson could do so much at the back end of that defense that it freed you up to just kind of let Devon Matthews roam a little bit, you yeah. know, not, not, not freelance, but you, you could move Devon Matthews around. You could put him in run fits and different things. Cause you could trust Jamar Johnson at the back end. You could blitz him a lot. Too. Yeah. You could, you, well, you could, uh, I think the, I think the person you blitzed more often was Taiwan Mullen that, and they, yeah. they've wanted to do that with Noah Pierre and I'm not trying to make fun of him. I think maybe he's just a little bit too small and, or a little bit too slow because the blitz mm-hmm. never gets there. Right. Um, you know, in the way that Taiwan Mullins blitzes always got there. Like, yeah, if exactly. you're going to blitz, the quarterback's going to try and nickel. throw into it. Yeah. Because he's going to assume that there's somebody open behind where the nickel corner, husky, Game. whatever yeah. you want to say, can, should be. Whatever it happens that to be. Blitz that blitz has to get home mm-hmm. fast, and Pierre's just not been able to do it. And the difference is they've done it a little bit with Desan McCullough, not necessarily from the husky, but from a similar spot on the field. But Desan McCullough's 6'5. So you can't just throw over him. Right. Whereas exactly. you, and I'm not trying to pick on Noah Pierre, but you can't because Noah Pierre is just smaller. My point is, 
I agree with you. I think that one, some of it is just that, that you're still sort of figuring out like Taiwan Mullen is finally back and playing again and comfortable and all right. that. Um, and there's some, like, I, I think Josh Sanguinetti has had some really good moments. He obviously had the pick against, yeah. was, it, was it Illinois? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, but I also, I felt this last year, even when Indiana's defense was playing well before it really just started to crumble, they missed Jamar Johnson. They haven't replaced him. And, and mm. you know, guys like that, guys who are, you know, legit first-team all-conference, borderline all-American safeties, that's not it. Like, you, you can wind up with the occasional first-team all-Big Ten corner at a place like Indiana right? or, or even linebacker. Like, safety is such a, a valuable position. Yeah in the modern game, those guys just don't wind up at places like IU very often. That's true. Yeah, no, I would agree. I mean, I think, um, I mean, Brian Fitzgerald, I think is playing fine, but he's just, you know, not, you know, again, just not wrecking stuff. Changing the, games again. The way Jamar Johnson did. So, yeah. Yeah, just, I mean, just just like, it's, it, mm. to your point about the secondary yeah. more widely, you don't feel like you're seeing games change. Now, some of that may also just be the way guys are getting challenged. Mm-hmm. You know, right. I think I think part of the reason that Aaron Casey's made a lot of plays is because offenses have thought, well, let's test that guy. Yeah, you know that used to be Michael McFadden. He's gone. He's a giant. He's with the New York Giants now, and that, we don't know who that guy is. Let's let's test him. Mm-hmm. And then sure. they do, and he gets the tackle for loss. He fills the hole. He stuffs the run. He does whatever. You know, right. we're not going to run at Cam Jones because right. we're not crazy. We're going to run at that guy. Right. Well, it turns out that he can tackle you, you too. Know, and, yeah. and to be fair, like we kind of had this conversation at times about Cam Jones the previous couple of years, right? Where it was sort of like, well, yeah, we're we're not going to challenge, Michael you know, McFadden. McFadden over there. So let's go after you know number four. Oh, oh crap, he's good too. Yeah, and, and that's you know that is what kind of made Indiana so good on defense, even really through like the first half of last year before injuries plus frustration plus the the extent to which the season just got away from them, sort of caused everything to to fall down. Um, but this is the unit where we thought like putting the pieces it was it was less about like bringing in all these new pieces and figuring out where they fit and more about putting all the pieces back in the right place now that they were all healthy and and, and ready again and i feel like maybe it's proven a little bit more complicated than at least i thought mm-hmm. you know i i did not think they would get burned so easily as they did against western kentucky i thought they gave up some yards i i, I didn't think that right. and and listen i if you'd asked me for a prediction, and I hate doing predictions, I would not have predicted Indiana to beat Western Kentucky by more than a score. You know, may, maybe like nine, maybe ten max. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, the way the game plays out, where Indiana has to outscore Western Kentucky 20-6 to six in, in the fourth quarter in overtime, that's a little different. Right, but, but you, you didn't think that Western Kentucky was going to go Because away. that's what Western yeah. Kentucky does. They won ten games last season. Mm-hmm. Like, they just, they have this... this it's this, almost the exact same score, right? I mean, it was, wasn't it... It's 33-31 to 31 last year. Yeah. And as I told, remarkable. and I'll also say this, as I told someone Saturday night when I saw them out in the tailgating fields, I have literally seen Indiana teams nearly lose to FCS opponents at home and beat Western Kentucky by three, and yeah. go to bowl games. Yeah, it happened. It happened seven. Oh God, I'm so old. It happened seven <laughs> years ago. Um, the the pinstripe bowl does not feel like it was seven years ago. Right. Um, but it does not feel like it was seven years ago that I was like, yeah, that you guys were at the pinstripe bowl. Yeah, and I think I was in Knoxville at the time. There's still. Love. I think. I think I was. Yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. I think you yeah. were. You, we were covering a good football team, and you were covering. You know. An, a less good football. Derek well, no, Dooley actually, or whoever. Well, it was an okay. It, it was an okay Tennessee football team. Yeah, that was that was that was Butch building toward the team that got him fired. Um, yes, <laughs> correct. But but it just like for that defense, 
it and I guess the if you want the optimistic point of view, it's that it feels like there's a lot there left for them to get, mm-hmm. and that maybe they can find that. Right. Um, but it just it just feels like for all the individual, you know, Cam Jones playing so well individually, Aaron Casey playing so well individually, J.H. Tevis playing so well individually, Desan McCullough playing so well individually, you don't feel like you've seen the whole the big picture work. Right. And maybe I yeah. mean maybe some of that too is you need a bigger game. You know, some of it. I mean, and I guess let's let's be fair. They held Illinois to twenty points. They sacked Tommy DeVito three times. They 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 turned him over four times. Yeah. So maybe we're being a little bit harsh and, and judging on the recency bias of the Western Kentucky game. Mm-hmm. Maybe they need a Cincinnati yeah. or a Nebraska, a bigger stage that pulls something a little bit more out of them. But it just feels like they're more incomplete for what they were bringing back and what we thought they could be at this time. You know, a month ago. Right. Based on what we've seen so far. Yeah. No, yeah, exactly. I'd agree. When you start looking at saying, okay, well, if this guy's this and this guy's that, I mean, basically, if you, if you were to sort of positively project these guys to be what they are individually, you would have presumed that this defense would be better collectively, is I think sort of what we're getting at. If we, if we, if we said, okay, if, if Aaron Casey is not that far of a drop off of Michael McFadden, if Cam Jones plays exceptional, if, if, if you imagine sort of peak Cam Jones, um, and, you know, the, you know, each of these individual defensive, you know, back backs are okay. And, you know, a couple of these defensive linemen like J.H. Tevis step up and Desan McCall is everything that you would hope he would be. How good is Indiana's defense? And you would think pretty darn good. And it's okay. So far. It's kind of where we stand. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And again, it's flashed. Like I said, yeah, it's possible. Moments. It's possible that we are being, that this is a little bit of recency bias. And, and because you go back to Illinois you know, I know they got gashed on the ground in that game, but you know, Tommy DeVito is is nothing particularly special. In a Big Ten game, they basically have to win. They hold Illinois, as I said, to, to twenty points. They turn them over four times. They stuff them on the goal line a fifth time for a turnover on downs. Mm. So maybe maybe some of this is a little bit of the recency bias of Western Kentucky too. But it comes back to this idea, like this this central idea that I started with, which is. I don't think Indiana fans know how they're supposed to feel about this team yet. I think that I think that they don't want to be even cautiously optimistic just because of how deflated and let down they were a year ago. Sure. I do think the reasonable among among them recognize that like 3 and 0 is 3 and 0 and that it wasn't even necessarily if you just looked at the balance of probabilities the like the most likely outcome from these first 3 games. I think Indiana was favored in all 3, mm. but narrowly enough against Western Kentucky and Illinois that you would say that a split there was very possible. But I think they also just kind of don't know what to make of this team yet because you don't have that, that firm feel of this is their identity. This is what they're good at. Right. You know, this is what they know they can go to. And it means they're not going to beat these three teams because these three teams are going to have, you know, that they can't play teams that they can go man for man in the past game. And Ohio state can do that. So they're not going to beat Ohio state, but yeah, they're going to beat Maryland and Rutgers and probably Purdue because they can do, you know, the thing that will prevent them from beating Ohio State and Michigan is the same thing that will help them, you know, beat those three teams and ensure that they wind up in the Music City Bowl or the Duke's Mayo Bowl or whatever, which, by the way, if there is if there is any justice in the universe, Indiana's long, long bowl wind drought will end with someone dumping a giant cooler of mayonnaise on Tom Allen. <laughs> that is that is the only yes. fitting way for a 32-year wait for a bowl victory to end for this place That's is fair. with a, the world's largest jar of mayonnaise. Um, but 
it's just sort of like I think a lot of them are trying to figure out like what is this team and again I don't know maybe that shouldn't be surprising new offensive coordinator for all intents and purposes new defensive coordinator mm-hmm. new quarterback new skill players five new assistants like maybe we shouldn't know what this team is exactly right now maybe it shouldn't know exactly what it is and I, and I do go back to like Connor Bates like just very sort of flatly saying very matter-of-factly saying you're going to see better football out of us you know, like the, 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 mm. I, I think the one difference is when I think back to that comparison of 2005, I remember, you know, Indiana football being four and one and everybody on campus feeling pretty good. Like everyone being like, hey, this is fun. And mm. to be fair, the previous couple of years have been pretty lean under Jerry DiNardo. Yeah. And Terry Hepner had all this energy and these big plans. And he came in and put that Rose Bowl down the bowl with the rose on it down. Yeah. At his, it is open at his introductory press conference. But mm. um, I don't think this team is like celebrating three, and know. No, in the, in the wider sense. No. So I think that their ambitions remain stronger, higher, whatever. But mm-hmm. I just think that Indiana fans are still just sort of like, well, what should I think? Right. Yeah. No. And the <laughs> my only advice is don't just don't think too far ahead. Yeah, that's don't, fair. Don't think too far ahead. I mean, like, you know, you should enjoy Saturday just to enjoy Saturday. Just don't like you're an Indiana football fan. You have signed up for a certain amount of heartache. Don't force yourself to pre-imagine the heartache before it happens you know like it'll probably happen but at least enjoy the moment while it's there but you should yeah should you be walking around bragging to friends about you know like if 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 you have friends that are purdue fans should you be bragging on them right now i wouldn't that probably you shouldn't be your see i would just because just (laughs) always talk trash never don't talk trash I guess I don't know. Like if you think it can it, come back to you, I mean, like if 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 you regret are concerned nothing. about it coming back, that's what to I would you, say. In, in all instances, November, regret nothing. Fair, okay. I would just say if you're going to like crack on Purdue fans now, you will probably just enjoy the ride. Probably I think, I think the point November. you're the point you're making is just enjoy the ride. Yes, yes, because you're a college football fan. Just go with it. Just roll with it. Like what's 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 the point of upsetting yourself before bad things happen? I mean, to your point, It'll like probably happen. Purdue is a hair's breadth away from three and zero. They're one and two. Correct. And 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 here's this is how it happens. Yep. Like you know, for two years, we said, and I don't want to go off on some IU Purdue tangent because we're going a little longer. But, Very long. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, like for for two years, we said Jeff Brom's a genius. IU is losing all of its gains from 2015 and 16. Look how Purdue has passed them. Right. Oh my God! It's you know this is just what what different directions these two programs are traveling, and Jeff Brown went thirteen and thirteen in that time, and then in the two years after that, everyone said, Oh my God, Tom Allen's a genius, and yeah. they're going to have to fire Jeff Brom, and they owe him a hundred million dollars in buyout money or whatever <laughs> exactly. it was, and he's making the third highest salary in all of college football, and and then they flip it around, yeah, and they, they, and they put Tennessee his they put his face then... on the twenty dollar bill, and like you know, and now <laughs> he can't win a game. And then it all turned around in 2021. And here's what happens is teams like Indiana and Purdue that always exist a little bit closer to the end of the knife edge than than the average. Indiana wins a couple of the close ones. They start to believe. Mm -hmm. They split Cincinnati and Nebraska. They beat Maryland at home. Suddenly they're five and two. They go to Rutgers. They win. Then they're six and two. Mm -hmm. Then they have nothing to lose at that point. Right. And then they go to Michigan State or they host Penn State. Somebody's not ready for them. They beat them. They beat Purdue. And everyone says, oh, my God, Indiana went eight and four. That's incredible. Meanwhile, Purdue loses like five one-score games yeah. and ends the season on their third-string quarterback and goes four and eight. And everyone says, boy, that's trouble. Yeah, bro, that's yeah. what's what's going on there. And then it all flips. 
flips around. Like this yeah. is just a reminder that for the vast majority of programs in college football, mm. like you are, you are so close to the razor's edge. Yes, of, and you are living week to week so often. Yeah, exactly. so just You're enjoy the week you won. Yes, don't sweat it too much. Just enjoy the week you won. Right. You're not promised anything after this. Not one single bit. So it's very enjoy philosophical. Being now. Yes. That's, I mean, we I don't even mean, I don't mean on life. that deep level, but yes, including we, a we, win at Cincinnati. We never, like, we will never promise you that Indiana is going to win a football game. I tried once and they went two and 10. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. We, 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 we went, we strayed way too close to the sun last year as far as saying, man, Indiana's fine. Yeah. You should totally believe in Indiana. I'm never telling you that again. We, uh, we'll leave it there for today. Indiana at Cincinnati, 3.30 on Saturday. We'll be there. We'll also be back, uh, at the end of the week on Thursday. Unless Dustin's got a dashboard confessional concert that he needs Already to Already went to them this summer, man. Uh, that was Them and Andrew McMahon was terrific. Hands down, this will be the best podcast you will ever remember. Always <laughs> remember. He's Dustin DePirac. I'm Zach Osterman. I absolutely winged that at the end. Thank yes, you so did. much for well listening done. to Mind Your Banners for September 19th, 2022. We will talk to you Thursday. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.